Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. This week it's time to swim with the fishes. Luis Davila from Fish Stripes on SB Nation joins us to talk everything Marlins top to bottom starting lineups, what's going to happen, what happens with Real Muto, what happens with Brinson, everything. Even a little Mesa talk, and we really hope you enjoy it. The biggest fish on this team, obviously, mind the pun, uh, is JT Romuto. What are the plans for JT? Where is he going? Because I think we both know that he's not signing long-term with this team. His agent comes out early spring, like uh, I think before spring training this year. He says he uh, wants to trade, and then he pretty much reaffirms uh, that this uh, offseason at the beginning. So it's pretty clear that they're, they're gonna probably going to move on. But the team is, insists that they, um, they want to extend him. They, they, all, they say he knows how we feel about him. So I don't know if it's a leverage play or if they really just want to have that one guy to really help the pitching staff. But I think the best thing for everybody would be just move on, find the best deal you can. He's a pretty great player, so you should get something nice out of him. Yeah, any, I would assume so. Any preferred destination? Like, do you want to trade him in division for in Atlanta to maybe get a couple of those top pitching prospects? Personally, I, I could care less if it's in the division or not. If it's the best deal you can find, it'll work. Uh, a lot of people worry about the end of the division thing, but at the end of the day, they're going to be giving up great players too. So it'll, it'll help both teams. And it makes sense now. I mean, we're not competing. Atlanta is, and then the the timelines probably won't even match up. So, yeah, I, I don't even know if if JT would be on that team, you know, when the Marlins are ready. I mean, the Marlins are what four years away probably, yeah. and I mean he's a UFA in 2021. Does he even sign a big contract in Atlanta? But so I think that JT is going to be moved. I think Austin feels the same way. If he is moved, where are you going with where are you going with catcher? A guy like Kurt Suzuki just signed yesterday. And there's obviously some veterans out there, but is there someone in the system that you have your eye on, or is it just going to be a a veteran kind of plug-and-play type of thing? Yeah, uh, they're probably going to have to go and test a free agent market or maybe in one of those deals find a a catcher who's either a veteran or close to the major leagues to fill in that spot. I think the only catcher they have right now on their 40-man roster besides Romuto who has major league experience is Chad Wallach and he uh, behind the plate. He's great, but at, like hitting wise, not so much. And I don't think he'd be able to carry the load for over a hundred games. So, yeah, I mean, Wallach is a very serviceable behind the, behind the plate guy. Maybe he can help out the pitching staff there, but that makes sense with JT. I think he'll be gone. Uh, moving on to first base. The guy you have under contract currently is Garrett Cooper who, not much about him. He played 14 games for the Yankees. He played a dozen games for you guys. Got a great contract, but is he the future of this team, or is he holding the spot for someone coming up sooner than later? Well, the the team certainly thinks a lot about him. They acquired him in the last offseason with uh, starting pitcher Caleb Smith in a deal where they sent a prospect named Michael King to the Yankees with international slot money when they were going after uh, Shohei Otani. And uh, Gary Dembo, I guess, really liked him, so he made sure to reacquire him uh, when he moved from the Yankee system to the Marlins system. And he, the scouting reports on him are a little iffy. He, he has had success in AAA, but we couldn't really see the, uh, the ramifications of his talent in the major leagues because he just spent the whole year hurt. So right now... I, w- I would say the system needs first base talent. It, it doesn't really have much, even in the minor leagues. But uh, he he could be the answer. It's just it's tough to tell right now. So are you going to? Do you think that's who they're going to start on? You know, opening day is Garrett Cooper the guy that they're going to try and roll with here and see if they what they can get out of him. Well, there's a few possibilities there. Uh, you have um, a prospect named Peter O'Brien. 
He was, a, I believe, a former first-rounder, if not second-rounder, in the, uh, for Arizona's system. And then he's bounced around a bit, but the Marlins traded for him around July for, like, cash. And he hit, like, 20-something home runs. And he made his... Not his big league debut, but he came back to the major leagues after a few years uh, this September, and he did pretty well. So he he looks to like he'll be the the guy at first for now until we see how Garrett Cooper is going with his wrist, and then you have Miguel Rojas who can slot in there. He plays all over the infield, but no no real first base solution in the long term. So do you do so you attack a, a first baseman in free agency, or do you kind of just let it ride out with Cooper? Uh, yeah, I think I think in terms of first base, they'll probably try to make an addition there somehow. Uh, they have been saying they want to add offense to some degree. Probably not make a huge splash, but they'll they'll probably add a first baseman and a catcher. I can see that happen. Even if it's a guy just like Logan Morrison who comes in and. Yeah. is a veteran presence on this team. Like, there's this team is just so young that it's almost a detriment to it because there's very few guys that even have service time at this point on this roster. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, I think Logan Morrison is a is a good candidate. Uh, Justin Bohr is probably going to be non. I think he was already waived by the Phillies, actually. Which is so incredible. You never know. He could come yeah. right on back. Yeah, that would be a yeah. good a good uh, place for him. Yeah. What a ride for him. Seriously. And, and that's a yeah. guy that has some sneaky good power there. I mean, it's not 70 power, on, you know, if you were on a scouting grade, but it's up there. Yeah, I think uh, with Boer last season, I, I'm, I've been a huge uh, Boer fan. I I think he uh, he's a guy who, who doesn't necessarily have to be confined to the strike zone. He can uh, kind of chase a bit and get his arms extended and make some quality contact. But I think he got too passive last season and he wasn't he wasn't really getting his arms out he was striking out a lot on like 3-0 counts he would just go down looking on three strikes like they would just come right back on him so I, I think he has to be a, a little more aggressive I think that's more of his style of play but we'll see if uh if he goes back to that all right Dave talk about your favorite player in baseball go ahead <laughs> so someone that I'm very high on is Starlin Castro Obviously, he is not the long-term fix for you guys. He's a little bit older, and I don't think Jeter is going to want to pay him any more money than he has to. I don't really even know if he'll be on the team next year unless it's just for strictly sign him to trade him at next year's deadline in 2020. But Starlin Castro's there. He's obviously most likely going to start this season at second base. Behind him, you have Rivera, who was atrocious at the plate this year. In like 100 games, he batted basically 100, about 117. There's one guy in the system that looks like he's ready to come up, and that's um, Diaz. He's your ninth-ranked prospect, I believe. A little guy, but it looks like he's taking on the, you know, or trying to take on that launch angle angle approach of all these new young players. He wants to kind of develop into a power bat. He had, I think, 10 home runs in 80 games this year in AAA, which, if that translates over, I mean, 20 home runs for second base is great. What's the short and long-term deal with second base and is Castro going to be on this team in 2020 well I think Castro uh, the issue there is the money he's a he's a fine player but he's he's nothing crazy he'll he'll be like on this team he's the third batter he he's someone you can rely on to get on base pretty regularly at least compared to everyone else but defensively there's always been shortcomings there and uh, yeah, he the the money he's already gonna cost the team and what he could possibly cost later just really wouldn't be too like worth for a small market team. So, but yeah, I think long term the the Marlins are gonna look to Isan Diaz to to be the answer. He uh, some, he strikes out a lot, but he takes his walks. He can hit to all sides of the field with power. And I, I think he's a sneaky good player. And, you know, if he can uh, improve his hit ability a bit, he, he might be a, a top second baseman in the league. Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks like he's the real deal. He's a 50-55 uh, guy, you know. 
and uh, pretty much everywhere for his scouting grades. I mean, he's raised his walk rate every single season pretty much in his last couple of years. He had a really good year this year. I mean, the average is a little low, but he'll get that up. And I mean, he has time to grow. And I think that him coming up, I think he'll be up this year. Do you think he'll be up this year? Uh, yeah, I think sometime maybe I'm with Castro. If he gets hurt, you know, he could come in and replace him. But uh, I think uh, September is like a safe, you know, if you're on the 40 man, you get your call up. But uh, but yeah, so he he's close too. he's not he's not too far away. You'd like to see him hit a little bit more, but he's he can hit for extra bases and he gets on base a lot, whether it's a walk or or a hit. So and uh, I know it's it's a pretty it's a reach because we're talking about such a great player. But uh when I see his swing, he reminds me a lot of Robinson Cano. Yep. So. Yep. That's a nice, that's a nice swing. I mean, he, and I mean, that's what he's trying to be. They, they say he's a smaller guy. He's only 5'10", 185, but he's trying to get that pop like Cano. And I mean, that's the new, day, the new day and age. You look at guys that are Altuve's height and Pedroia's height, but they're hitting 20, 30 home runs a year. So, I mean, that, that's yep. definitely a good future. Uh, Austin, tell us about the lovely third baseman over there, the veteran. <laughs> like I love Martin Prado. Get off me about it, okay? <laughs> But He's I'm, a big Prado guy. He played with Chipper Jones, and Austin's a big Chipper Jones guy, so <laughs> it makes sense. Obviously, that's not the. Future, I know you but... being a Marlins fan, you're probably not a Chipper Jones guy. Let's put it that way. No, I actually really like Chipper Jones because all right. So I I started watching baseball around 2011. Gotcha. I started a little late, so uh, I got to see like the the back end of of Chipper Jones' career, and I I didn't really have that like intense rivalry hatred feeling right. yet so you you were in the appreciation phase yeah. yeah and then obviously the marlins have never been too great in like sports video games and stuff so <laughs> you know sometimes you had guys like chipper jones on your on your 2k teams yeah exactly you find the guy that's easy to go get basically and you're just like oh you're one of my favorite players now by the way but uh, didn't wasn't Ryan Anderson playing Brian Anderson playing third base at one point this year? I feel like he was. Yeah, so so it's a little complicated. So Prado is the third baseman I think for right now because of the money that's dedicated to him and yeah. maybe the the issues you'd have moving him to another position at this point. So because of all the injuries. So uh Anderson can play right field. So they, they put him there for a bit when Prado was healthy. He did well there. He stayed there for uh, because it let Miguel Rojas play every day, and his defense was pretty valuable. But then uh, towards the end of the season, Brian Anderson was back at third base. Gotcha. And Brian, and- Brian Anderson had, had a pretty good year, honestly. Quietly, yeah, he, by the way. Quietly. I mean, this was his first full year, so it was rookie year, and he batted two seventy three in 150-something games. I mean – he, he got hits. He hit 11 home runs, so a little pop there. But, you know, 60 walks to 120 strikeouts. I mean, it's not, not terrible. No, yeah, he, he, he's a fantastic player. Um, second half, he struggled a bit. I think he hit 230 in the second half. But uh, he uh, he's a guy who makes adjustments. He makes them pretty quickly. And I, I think he'll bounce back from that second half next year, and he'll put together a really nice, uh, consistent campaign. He, um, I don't think he he really comes off like the page for anybody in terms of power, but he's got sneaky pop. He I, he can hit it out any side of the field, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's hitting 20, 25 at one point in his career. So, yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me either. All right, so we're gonna talk about short real quick. Uh, we're gonna talk about Riddle, who's very interesting just because of the fact that he's twenty seven. Like I feel like JT's been playing longer than that. But give me an infield prospect that Marlins fans can get excited about. Is there one? I know there's a ton in the outfield. Like, I'm excited to talk about the outfield when it comes to Harrison, Mesa. The outfield is going to be just as good as it was before they traded everybody away soon. Yeah. Before people realize it, Marlins are probably going to have the best outfield. Yep. Like, again. So. So, yeah, what's up with shortstop? Where are we going with that? I mean, it doesn't look at first glance that there's anybody there's nobody that stands out immediately no there's not yeah so i think uh they're they're addressing that issue too in the draft and the players they acquire um uh, middle infield not not too much depth there but but, uh you got guys 
uh, like Jose Devers, who they acquired in the Stanton deal. Rafi's cousin. I mean, these are all guys that, that are a little kid farther might be along. 13 years old, right? <laughs> yeah. He looks 13 years he old. Looks he looks exactly is, like Rafi did two years ago, though. He does. He's Now, this kid, Jose Devers, is a whole 18 years old. He was born in 1999. That's when yeah, my brother was born. It's wild. Went that sick in 1999, and he is projected to come up in like three years which is wild so he'll be just like devers 20 21 years old here and a great fielder probably better than his brother and he can and he can still bases he can he's a quick guy he had uh yeah so uh the the team really like they what stands out to them about him is his ability to make contact and he they say he's got good bat speed he he can make contact in like more, more than traditional ways so he he's young. He's got to grow. He's got to put on some muscle, and he's probably a little far away. Then you'd say like, "Oh, let's be excited about somebody who's coming up next year." But he he's a potential uh, like I wouldn't say all star yet because I'd like to see more at the plate. But Gold Glover for sure. Well, that's the thing. If you already have bat speed, you as as you progress, I think we all know that you know bat speed comes with age at this point, especially in today's league when every level somebody's throwing 100 the bat speed is going to get there it's just a matter of developing the pop that you have and if you have that pop in today's game you're going to get paid and you're going to be a very valuable commodity to to baseball teams now now the stolen base thing that's even bigger because nobody still steals bases anymore you he'd be i mean i'm trying to think of a guy in my a head hamilton no not billy Billy's. I'm, I'm I'd say more like a bias. Yeah. Oh, that's a good I one. Mean, yeah. I I I I don't know because Trey Turner is a pretty great player, and I yeah. don't think he'll steal bases to that degree. But I think he could be a really similar player. Yeah, like in in that range. So yeah. yeah so Trey that mix Turner. of like somewhat like mid tier pop ability to get on base, great defense. I think I think that's a a fair ceiling for him. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty damn good. So yeah, opening no day opening day shortstop for the Miami Marlins is who? It'll probably be JT Riddle if he's healthy, and then you'll have Miguel Rojas as the backup, but he'll probably be getting a lot of starting nods around the infield elsewhere. Yeah, I I feel like they're gonna try and keep Brian Anderson in the outfield, but I'm sure he'll jump to the infield if they need him to be at back at the corner with uh with Prado just being older and. Maybe him getting injured. So Prado might not even start the season healthy. He might start on the DL. They're gonna take it easy with him, try and transition him back. Make sure he gets back a hundred percent. You don't want him to because he last season he got hurt, came back, and then got hurt again. You, you really want to avoid that. You want to make sure because the you know hamstring's pretty tricky. So make sure that comes back so brian anderson will probably start at third base until they know for sure prado is 100 percent. he's to the point now to where ugla got at the end of his career to where you're he's just struggling with like knickknack injuries it's not anything yeah. huge you know it's just it's just old people problems i guess because it's something that's gonna like linger basically like exactly like his hamstring yeah and it's a shame because at third base, Prado's a premier defender, and he, mm-hmm. he can make a lot of great contact. He's still a great hitter. It's just it's hard to to be consistent when you're not on the field every day. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. Let's get to the exciting yeah. part. Boston's um, favorite part. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. I want to start with a guy who I love, who I don't think Marlins fans love, but I live in Texas. I watched Lewis Brinson at Frisco, whenever he was traded to Milwaukee, I was kind of devastated, you know, because I I love that I love that Rangers farm at the time, and I thought it was incredible. Uh, Brinson gets traded for Jonathan Lucroy to Milwaukee, and then gets sent to Miami for Christian Yelich. What's the feeling around Lewis Brinson, and uh, is his contact going to get better? Let's put it that way, because it's not good for anyone wondering. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, I think in general, uh, you could say most people are frustrated with his performance, especially when the guy you give up wins MVP the same season. Yeah. I haven't given up on him. I think he's a great player. I think he has shown what he can do. He's put together a few stretches at the end of last season that you'd be like, wow, like 
if he does this every day, you've got something great. And I, per- I mean, maybe it was a little rash, but I thought he would uh, come out and actually have a better season than Yelich first year. Did not happen by any means. But, but he still has that potential. The pop is insane. He, he'll, With even if he doesn't frame. hit over 250, he'll hit 20 home runs every year. I never understand it because he, he doesn't have a big frame. He's got a D Gordon frame and like Javier Baez pop. It, it just doesn't make sense. Bat speed, baby, bat speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just all about rotation. So, obviously, Brinson, I mean, I, I'm not going to give up on him either. I mean, I think I think he can get it together, and I think you can kind of teach that aspect of it, which is just basically yeah. don't close your eyes and swing as hard as you can, put the bat in the ball. And the I defense think- will give him a, a little more of, like, a space. Like, I guess it's his shot. You know, he's, he still plays great defense. He's got a good arm. So he'll still have a, a role, and then he'll he's, figure it out. I think he's he will. basically a lesser version of what Byron Buxton is in Minnesota. Like, he's going to play good defense. He's got good speed out there. He can cover the range. It's, we just got to get the contact down. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's the thing. And Buxton, to me, is great to have in today's MLB. You need a guy like that who is a, speech, a JBJ, a Kiermaier. You need those guys, but... I mean, you just got to get Brinson hit 250, and you'll be happy with that, I assume, anyway. Yeah, I think anything at this point, anything over 250 is welcome. And then the power is going to help him out there. He'll, he'll, be a, he'll probably have over 30 extra base hits a season. You know? Is there he'll, a good yeah, comp be a, for him? An impact player. Good comp? Yeah. That Buxton uh, is pretty good, honestly. I mean, yeah, Buxton I seems pretty current, good, but he's got more yeah. pop than Buxton does. Yeah, but yeah. he's got to show it, though. Honestly, think, Jackie's think, not a bad comp for him. Jackie's really not a bad comp, but Jackie has pop. He plays gold glove defense, and he's and he's fast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty de- depressing comparison, if you ask me. But That's uh, Dave's favorite player, so be careful. That is that is my favorite player right hey, there. Hey, hey. We're talking about different things here, though. We got got the guy who headlined the Christian Yelich deal, and then, you know, Jackie Bradley – Plays fantastic defender. I love him, but I'd expect him to hit too. No, no, I, I agree. Who, yeah. If Moncada and Kopech don't pan out the way they should for Chris Sale, White Sox fans are going to be like, "We gave up what for what?" Yeah, like, yeah. And that's exactly. the same way with that deal. So, Brinson will be out there starting this year, and he'll be playing obviously. Anderson will be playing somewhere on the team this year, whether it be third base, right field. Is it, God, left field. Is it wrong to think that Anderson is kind of a stopgap until the next wave is ready, I guess, let's put it that way, and then Anderson will move to third? Um, I mean, yeah, I think defensively, the the type of guys you have right now, you could slot the guys you have right now in the minor leagues defensively, and they would obviously play better right field than him. So he, he'll, he's, our, he's a third baseman who can play some pretty good right field. That's how I see it. So, here's a question. I already know Brinson's going to be out there first day. Opening day, is Monte Harrison going to be an outfielder for the Marlins on opening day? I highly doubt that. Very highly but doubt that. Do you think he comes up during the year? Maybe. So I feel just like not pushing him? I feel like he's ready to come up yesterday. Personally, <laughs> Monte Harrison starts, like for me, I start him in Jacksonville. Double A. Gotcha. Again, and they then, played last year in, in Jacksonville too, right? Yeah, I he's I think he struck out near forty percent of the time. Yeah, That's he struck insane. out over over two hundred times. Yeah, and uh, in the in the major leagues, that's just not gonna cut it. If it's forty percent in Double A right now, you go to major leagues, it'll probably be like sixty. Just to put and, it into uh, perspective, he struck out more than Joey Gallo in less games. He did. Yeah. He he did. But also even. Striking out 215 times this year, he batted 240 and hit 19 home runs. Yeah, so you you can see the the uh, the potential. He he's got insane exit velos. Uh, like the the readings they put out there are crazy. I think his average exit velo is above 100. His average Sheesh. is just I he needs it. to make contact. Yeah, because he hits and, doubles too. He had 20 doubles last year. Yeah, so he he could be. If if he can manage to bring his hit tool up to like a fifty, he could be a, a guy who hits thirty home runs a year, plays great defense, hits like two sixty. 
but he he needs to start making more contact. In the Arizona Fall League, he made some adjustments. He's uh the leg kick's not really there anymore, so he did make more contact. I think he hit like two eighty three, maybe a little more, but around there. And uh, so yeah, so it's nice to see that. But you, I'd at least want him to get, have another shot at Double A, at least for the beginning of the season. <clears throat> and then move him up to AAA and then see what happens there. Because here's the thing, right? You can't have him and Brinson out there hitting like 222, you know, like 220 basically. You know, if Harrison comes up, the numbers kind of translate. I mean, you could. The Marlins Marlins stink. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, ideally. I mean, yeah. Ideally, you would have guys batting 250 out there, but, I mean, you got to have somebody work through something at some point. So, obviously, like, I think overall, like you just gotta, like I think the situation with Brinson was a little detrimental in, in that sense. He, in any normal situation, he would have been in AAA, like by right. May. He was but, pushed, basically. Yeah, he yeah, was rushed. I mean, in terms of marketing and like the team had to do it, they had to. And oh yeah, they couldn't I, afford not to put him out there. I mean, yeah, somebody else to so, put on a billboard. Yeah, they they had to. Have, him out there the center field depth wasn't was almost non-existent without him and then yeah he that you brand him as as your face he has a good spring training and then boom he hits he hits the wall so it, it was weird circumstance you could tell they they gave him a lot of time when he was hurt he didn't come back until september even though it wasn't anything too serious but they they made sure to give him time to kind of make some adjustments to swing change things and it, it worked out a bit. I think I think he improved a lot. But uh, you want to see more uh, with the next season. And then, yeah, with Monte, with the strikeout concerns, you're th- you're looking at if you bring him up now, you're looking at something that's probably the same or even worse. And you don't want that. You you want them to have a no- like a more normal progression through the minor leagues. You know. But just give them the time they need to make the the adjustments, and then yeah. No, I'm all yeah. for being patient. It makes sense. I hope that Jeter thinks the same way. So obviously, in a year from now, when 2020 season starts up, you're probably going to have Victor Mesa and Monte Harris and out there. I don't know. Your three outfielders. Maybe, maybe not. But that's where it's trending, right? You want to get Mesa out there. You want to get yeah. Harrison out there. For next year, what's going to be the starting three outfielders on opening day? Anderson, Brinson. There's not much depth in the outfield, but there's guys who could play it. You got uh, Garrett Cooper who can play uh, the corners as well. So, yeah, but I, I think Austin Dean's a guy who really, like, I guess broke out in terms of, like, the system last season, made made a huge leap, got to the major leagues, hit four home runs in his September call-up, I think, or three, but didn't hit. His average wasn't as high, but he was making good contact, so. I think I think he'll earn a spot as the opening uh, day left fielder, unless he gets hurt. And then, but yeah, not not too much outfield depth presently. Is Braxton Lee on the forty? Come opening day. Well, you might find out tomorrow. Yeah, that that's what I figured. On there. Is so, he a Rule Five guy? I don't know, but I think it because they already. They've already given him a shot this year to uh, go to the major leagues. So I, I'm not sure how that works, but he has played in the major leagues. I think he's had like a few ABs, Gosh. but it just wasn't good. And Yeah, uh, he hit 176. He, probably, I have it right in front of me now. That's not good. Yeah, he to me, he's a candidate to be waived. I think there's other areas in the 40-man roster that you'd make some adjustments at first before going to him, but he would, he would be an option. You got Yadiel Rivera. Who could get cut? Even though his defense is pretty good, um, yeah. But he, uh, I like his defense. But you, even in the minor leagues, his his uh, breakout year with the Marlins and the Rays, just uh, you could tell it wasn't sustainable. Too much, uh, too many ground balls, and he's fast, but you can't sustain a, a batting average on balls and play that high. Okay, so give everyone kind of that's not a Marlins fan the rundown on Victor Mesa like what is he going to be for the Marlins what do you like is there a comp for him all right I can give you a comp on a floor so I think worst case scenario he's Juan Lagares great defender 
he'll play he could play any part of the outfield and he'll play extremely well because he's very athletic he's got a good instinct he's very, very fast and he's got a great arm so that, I think that that's the most important part to understand right now that he's a major league quality probably a plus major league defender in center field today so the questions as to what his potential are come at the plate I don't think he's gonna be a a power hitter. He's he's got more of like a line drive swing, but he does have potential to be a 300 guy if they develop him right. And if if that happens, he'll be a superstar. If the defense is that great, and you can get on base that much. You're gonna be a great player. Yeah, that sounds yeah. exactly what he should be, and that, I I totally agree. Let's put this in perspective real quick. I I'd love to make this argument. So, what do you pay a 30 year old? center fielder like John Jay to play one season like for you to be your fourth outfielder you pay him like what between five like five ten, million dollars ten million you know? five and ten yeah so with Victor Mesa you you invest like about the same amount of money probably less about I think five million for him a million for his brother and then you have a guy who can already do that and then you, you don't even know what the potential of the plate it could be. It could be so much more. It, it, he's, a, he's a safe guy to, to sign to that type of money. And the good news is you got two of them in that deal, technically. I mean, you got his brother, too, because not all of these prospects pan out. I mean, we can CC Rusny Castillo as Red Sox fans and show people that spending money doesn't always mean that it's going to be all well and good. Yeah, I think I think right now the league has adjusted to those type of international contracts with the new system and uh, the way it is. I personally think if your team isn't a hundred percent invested in the international market when it's so cheap right now, losing like, out, they're, they're just not trying to win. You you have to. It's so important, and I think that's one of the biggest things the Marlins' new uh, owners are doing now that wasn't done before, and you can feel it. Like you know, you had. You had Yelich, Stanton, and Ozuna, but who else did you have in like in the pitching staff reinforcing like all those needs? I mean, especially since Jose passed. Yeah, yeah you have Jose Fernandez, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. and then and he was going to leave anyway. He wasn't going to be there forever. Yeah, so I mean that that probably would have been an interesting thing to see. I try not to think about it honestly, but yeah. And then when when you have so many shortcomings in the draft. And you're already not feeding your system through the farm. I mean, through the international uh, market. There's not really much to look at. So let's like go I, to the. I think, I think Dylan Peters was our top pitching prospect about a year ago. Really? So, yeah. Damn. That rough. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's what we want to get into now because it's probably the roughest part of your whole organization. It's one of the rougher organizations, like starting rotation wise. We just got, I mean, we just got done doing the Texas one about a month ago, and we had to, like, scratch and claw through that one. The bullpen actually has some bright spots in it, which yeah. is nice. But take us through what your five-man rotation is going to be next year, you know, on opening day, who's going to be there, and tell us if there's any starting pitchers coming up. I know 2021, 2022 is going to be a big year for the Marlins. There's a lot of guys projected anyway, but that's not right now. So what's going on with the starting five, and who's it going to be? I know they're not big names yet. They probably won't be huge names, but I think they have some pretty solid guys up right now. And I it's obviously a better situation to have, but they actually do have a bit of like a logjam in terms of starters and guys who are ready to start in the major league. So, in the major league, so then you got. I think you'll start with Jose Arena, who is probably not the most popular guy after hitting Acuna. Literally public enemy number one in almost everyone's eyes. but So uh, I would say Sandy Alcantara. You'd want to see a little more consistency down in the zone with a, with a sinker. But uh, he, he's got he's flashed some great stuff. I think his last start uh, of the season was against the Mets, and it was just it was great. The stuff he has is gives for much more than that, too. I think it's just obviously with, with that type of arm, you can't really rely on and be like, all right, he's going to be a pinpoint command guy. But if if he gets that part of his game figured out, he he's an ace, and that I think that's what the Marlins liked about him so much in the Ozuna deal. I, I think he'll be the number two. I think he'll be able to stay healthy too. I don't think that won't. I don't think that'll be a problem. And then after that, you've got Trevor Rich. 
Richards and Pablo Lopez going 3-4. Your fifth guy, I don't know what they want to do with Chen since he's been pitching really well at home, but he could, I think the way the, the schedule is uh, organized right now, they could actually get away with a six-man rotation where he where Chen only pitches at home so he doesn't have to face any teams on the road. That's hilarious. And, and who would who yeah. would be the fifth guy there? Would it be a Straley type of guy or? Nider, Caleb Smith, both guys who are like have shown like potential to be great uh, starting pitchers. And Caleb already did in the major leagues, but you got the shoulder concern there. I don't know how slow they're going to take it with him. They might be a little more conservative, make sure he bounces back right. I think uh, the other day I, when we met with Michael Hill, the GM, he said they're, uh, they're going to take it easy with him in spring training. I would like to see six guys in the rotation so you have space for, for either Caleb Smith and then Nick Nider. I think Dan Straley probably ends up being non-tendered or added into the JT Romuto trade somehow as like a sweetener or something because I don't think individually he has a trade market but it's starting not to look like such a fit with the Marlins especially since they're struggling so much to move him and then yeah so I'll, I'll dive into Pablo and Richards I think Pop, both of them have great change-ups I think Richards probably has the best change-up in baseball right now wow uh, that's a bold thing yeah it's insane so his problem, obviously, is he doesn't have a like a, a great fastball, so he needs to be pinpoint with that until he can find a third pitch. And then working on developing the the curveball or slider, breaking ball. So if that comes along, he's got a great pitcher right now. He's a back end rotation guy because of that deficiency. But if by any means figures out a third pitch, you've got a a top half of the rotation type guy. That pitch is so good, and it, you can throw it to guys. And they'll know it's coming and they can't hit it, especially to the left-handed hitters. Let's talk about a friend of the show, Tommy Evil. What can Marlins fans expect? Where is he going to start? And does he make a major league appearance? I think he'll make his major league debut next season. He struggled a bit in the Arizona Fall League and he left early for his wedding. He may be in double-A again since I think he had half a season of double-A. But I think he'll make his way up pretty fast he's a he's a guy with some good stuff he doesn't like walk too many guys and he, he has good strikeout numbers a nice piece in the bullpen long term too so yeah, he's got one of the best sliders i've ever seen yeah, no tommy's got a really good slider i have not seen it in person or like in a great video but i've, I've heard good things it's it's very severino-esque <laughs> i like that obviously you have about yeah i'm gonna estimate thirty-five thousand relief pitchers that have come up and up and down and are going to be on the roster next year, off the roster, up in AAA, whatever it may be. You have a couple, two solid guys there that I know of that are, that are going to be good. Give me a 7, 8, and 9 guy. That's all we really need. The, the middle relief is whatever. I think 7, 8, 9 will be Wickren, Steckenrider, and then Conley. I can't believe Steckenrider's not gone. I know. I think, they, I think they really see a future with him, and he's got a great contract. And I think yeah. that's another reason why they're keeping him. I actually had a huge issue with the Wick. They managed their, their relief assets over the summer. I thought, including Bearclaw, that the th- not maybe not the three of them, because you still have to have a pretty decent bullpen to get through the year. But right. I definitely thought they should have moved at least two of them. And you saw the repercussions of, of that decision on keeping all of them when they traded Bearclaw for just a million dollars in international free agent money. Which, I mean, went to, to Mesa, which is our number one prospect now. But at the end of the day, you probably could have gotten something really nice the way he was pitching uh, prior to the, to the deadline. And then he just blew up, and then there you go. Well, it's like you, you, trade, you trade Ziegler for Eveld, which I think is going to turn out in y'all's favor tremendously. Yeah, there, there's no way you lose that trade. You get rid of a contract. Exactly. You throw a little money in there, but at the end of the day, you save money. Then you get a guy who who could potentially be at the back end of your rotation. Cole Irvin, part two. This is where the Pete Rose story is. He also recaps his minor league career so far. Enjoy it, you guys. Apparently, to everyone, I'm I'm the back end starter. So maybe maybe on a team of all stars. No, I don't, I don't see it. it. Well, here's the here's the thing, and and I don't I don't discredit what they're thinking, but. Again, they don't get into the mind of the athletes of prospects. And I think that's why when you 
when you see stuff written about guys and, and we'll just use myself as an example is I don't throw hard. Okay. Yeah. But I have a career, but I have a career two eight in three years of minor league baseball. My first year I had a one nine seven. My, my triple a year at a two five something. Uh, two five seven. So now you're going, why, why hasn't this guy get called up yet? Because I don't throw hard when you're in the organization. And and this is kind of where I don't, I like beat writers and I also, you know, don't like them you know it's, it's there's a balance to it they're talking about at the big league level what does it translate i think you can tell a lot about a guy based on his career numbers i think tom eshelman's gonna get picked up and be put on a 40 man somewhere else come december 13th in the rule five draft why because you look at his career numbers they all look great so basically what i'm telling you what you're telling me is to pick me pick you up in my fantasy draft this year is that what you're <laughs> i'm not saying that all right so i'll so, say it for you i'll pick you up. I'll, I'll i'll use the pick on you <laughs> there we go. Uh, so yeah, if you're in a keeper league, that's okay. Yeah, Dynasty <laughs> got it. Yeah, um, triple his first year at AAA in 2017. He was in AA and AAA. He posted a uh, in two teams two a two four. He was on in two different leagues in 2016. He had a four two five. His first time in double his first ten games in AA, which is equivalent to what I had, was a five one four. But then so he, he got, grew. but in Clearwater, he had a three, three, four. So again, learning curve of double A, learning curve of ambushing hitters. Now he's in the Astro. He's in a different league. The Midwest league is a, is a very offensive league. Now he's batting with, he's, he's got a four, two, six. But again, you look at his career, you know, what, four seasons in minor league baseball. He's got a, he's got a four ERA. I think that's a little inflated based on the leagues. And I think that comes into a factor. So I think he's, you know, around a three, five and he's a bulldog. He eats innings, even when he struggles. I mean, this year he had a five, eight, four in triple A, but he, how he ate 140 innings. Yeah, that's a lot of innings. Eating innings, by the way, is, is dying. No, you can, it can get, it can get you paid too. Look at a guy like James Shields and Cologne. Look at, they keep getting money because they can keep eat innings. I mean, you had yeah. you pitched 161 innings, which was your career high outside of college or high school. I, I don't know that far back, but I was like 185 my first year at Pro Bowl. Okay. So how'd your, how'd your arm feel this year, 2018? You know, you, you went 14 and four. So I continued to pitch in September. Um, okay. I was advised to continue to pitch. I was advised to, uh, you know, keep it going as if I was still playing. So I still threw, um, through the whole month of no or, uh, September, not November. Um, it's the whole month of September and yeah. So, I mean, I, I felt good. I was ready. I, I was locked in, but obviously my, my name wasn't called and I, and I'm okay with that because there's a business side to baseball. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's another reason why Vlad Jr. wasn't called up was because of the contract. And and Toronto doesn't like to pay their players historically. And why waste a year of his pre-RB years team control on a team that's not going to make the playoffs? And that sucks. I mean, it goes into the fact that he's like 19 and he needs to, you know, do a little bit. But if they were where Oakland was, for example, and Josh Donaldson goes out, you bet your ass he would have got called up. Right, right. And but going back to Eshelman, I mean, you look at his his whip. His whip is a one three, one point three, which is really and, good. And you hear that so much when when we're talking about pitching. It's like his command's not there yet. Then why is he being considered? Like that's ninety five percent of pitching is putting the ball where you want it to go. You know, I think the other thing is 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 look at Mark Appel. That's a good you name. Know, you know, Mark Appel is a great name to talk about when you're talking about number one prospects in baseball, you know, having it all together, got paid $8 million, you know, out of the draft, out of Stanford, smart guy. And when he got on the mound, he was too nice. That's all it was. He could blow the cover off the ball when throwing it. But he watched guys. He had those extra things, but he was still the number one prospect. Well, you know, here's this, here's that, here's another thing. Again. There is just so much that goes into players. And I think a lot of guys that do really well, that pitch really well, there's a guy in our organization that's not even a prospect um, that I think should be, sh- should be a prospect in our organization. He's like 6'6", six, six, uh, Ronfi uh, Casemiro. He he's spent time in AA and AAA, 
and he was bouncing back and forth because we, you know, lost starter, added a starter, blah, 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 blah. Um, but to be able to do what he did in two different um, leagues and have success in high A and double A and triple A, he just was, he throws 96, like low key. 94 96 but he places the ball and when he's placing the ball the way he does he's an absolute monster but again there is just he's not throwing the cover off the ball but he throws hard i just i just i just don't get it if a guy's good enough i'd be an awful gm <laughs> i would i would because i'm looking i would not be bringing up these guys that just can hit for power and strike out a bunch i hate well, guys that strike out i cannot stand a player like joey gallo who is not going to hit 250 but he's going to hit 40 homers like but that's the poster child uh that's the poster child now for the boom bust era in my opinion and it used to be Chris Davis Chris Davis I, I believe is one of the ones that basically started this trend that basically saying strikeouts are okay it's like that, that's like saying walks are okay for a pitcher it's not put the ball in play you know and your average will definitely go up let's put it that way yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. I just can't stand. I mean, there's just so many hitters in the in the league right now. Strike out a bunch. I mean, you look at Judge, you look at Stanton. You know, I was asked a question. I think this is a good thing to bring up. Is would you would? I'm asking you guys. Would you guys rather face a lineup full of power hitters or contact hitters? Power, power, because they're going to strike out. Contact hitters are going to get on base and make my world a living hell. Contact kills. Exactly. Would you rather face a bunch of Stanton and judges or would you rather face, you know, your Altuve's or um, Le Mayhew's guys, like guys that get on base? I'm taking the Stanton and judge. Yeah, they may get me once in a while, but <laughs> it's just you can exploit so much more in a power hitter. No, who is the better lineup? The Astros, the Yankees, and it's a perfect example. And you look at the Yankees, it's it's Gary Sanchez, it's you know um, you go St- Sanchez, Judge, Judge Gregorius. Yeah, Gregorius. These guys that just close their eyes and swing and, and don't bat over two fifty. And then you got guys on the other side like Altuve and Correa and Springer and Gonzalez and Bregman and the list goes on and on. They just get on base and just little things happen. Look at the Royals. The year they won the World Series. I don't even know if a guy hit a home run that year. Contact, like contact, the whole contact. Like just contact all the time. Singles, doubles, stolen bases, small ball. I mean, I love small ball. Yeah, there, I love there's small nothing ball. we love. I'm a traditional ball. I'm a traditional ball player. I think small ball is just so. <laughs> it needs to come back. Like that's no, one of I, I that's one of the ball. things that like David and I bonded over the first time we did a show together is the fact that we would rather have a team of Lemayhews rather than a team of Stantons and Judges. We adore you know three hundred hitters, guys that hit for contact, and we don't like Dave's favorite player is Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr. That's true. Isn't sexy with the bat, you know. There's nothing sexy about Jackie Bradley Jr. with the bat. Dave's kind of snickering to himself probably because he had a great postseason run. But I mean, I mean I it's mean, true. Nothing sexy about the ALCS MVP or anything. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> but he does. He does everything right defensively. He does. He's attempts to hit for contact, even though he frustrates me sometimes. But those he, are the he, guys he that he chips need. in with the bat. Yeah, he chips in with the bat. You need. You can't have all players that hit for 350 now. You're a traditional guy. You like you like the small ball stuff. One thing that irritates me, I think it's the stupidest rule in all of baseball and stupidest rule in sports, in the entire sports, that the American League and National League have different rules with the DH and the hitters hitting. I think hitters, I think pitchers hitting is the stupidest thing in the world. What's your take on it? You just struck a nerve with me. Yeah, I know. I, oh, I, just, I was just thinking, I was like, Cole, I think, I Cole's going to come just, at you. Yeah, no, because Cole likes to hit, but... Pitchers pitch, hitters hit. I, that's just the way I feel. It's going to turn into Ryan and Ventura on the podcast. Like, uh, sorry, it. hot take here, boys. Richards hot has take. agreement with Padres. Oh, oh really? the Padres guys hot are going to be so pissed. Here. Wow. The Padres guys are going to be so say, pissed. Like, this is I, great. I thought you were going to say you got traded or something. That would have been wild. Literally. Like, know, we right? saw, that, would been, that would have been crazy. We saw, we saw earlier it was like uh, Philly talking with Seattle about Diaz. I was like, what if Cole gets traded on, on air? Like, what are we going to do? And Dave was like, that's content. I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably, have, I'll probably have a phone call or something yeah. that comes in. I hope you would uh, keep it on speakerphone for the good of the people. <laughs> for the good of the people. Yeah, we'll mute out anything just like, you know, social security number, <laughs> you know, anything like that. It's like, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, here's the deal. The, the, the biggest thing about the DH and the 
the pitcher hitting is why is there a DH? Oh, because guys can't play defense. Exactly. Why is there a DH? Because the guy's too old and can't run anymore, basically. I, I just think that the DH, I think it's the other way around. I think the DH should be outlawed. Um, there's too many times Babe Ruth used to pitch and then he hit for himself. Why not bring back guys that can play, that can be full time, you know, pitchers and hitters? What's so wrong with that? Like, I, I literally, I hit and train all off season. I want to get better at hitting. I practice bunting. I practice everything I do because I want to be the best ball player I can be. Because if I'm, whether I'm with the Phillies or with another team, uh, National League or American, I want to be able to go up to my manager and say, hey, I'm, I, I'm a full-time athlete. Like, I can get a bunt down. If you need a bunt down right here, I'll do it. Let's go. You know, like, or if you need a hit and run situation, put me in. I'm ready. Uh, I don't oh, want to sit that. on the bench. Yeah, no, you need that type of mentality. I just think because of the way this is people be are brought up nowadays, it's like you do one thing good and you stick to it. So, for example, you know, we're not talking about a communist sport here like soccer, where you just oh use my your God. Feet yes, he said it. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that, but <laughs> we're talking about baseball. You yeah. run, you hit, you throw. That's how it's always been. Every kid, Why every kid in America has grown up wanting to be a pitcher. And a hitter. Why is it such an era of specialization? As as you can, and you want to hit as many bombs as you can. Absolutely. So, so the DH should just be outlawed. That's the way it should be. Just like Kevin Costner said in Bull Durham. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the the major league, uh, major B, major league baseball should outrule the designated hitter. So we need more Otani's, is what you're saying. We need more Otani's. I'm okay would, with Otani. I would love having more Otani's and Babe Ruth's, but those are two names that are 110 years apart and no one really in between. My whole thing is that I would hate to see... Zach like, Greinke needs to stop winning the Silver Slugger every year. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though. He, uh... Granky's a, Granky's a weird dude. He's a weird dude. <laughs> um, my God. whole thing with the DH is this. Who would you rather see in the bottom of the ninth inning in a World Series game? Would you rather see... Um, as a pitcher, <laughs> as David Price up to bat, or David Ortiz, as as you're watching baseball, as a pitcher, you're watching it. I'll tell you exactly as, who I want. No, no, to no. See. As, as, as a fan, as, as a okay. As, so what are we saying? Bottom of the ninth, two outs. You know, we're having a pitch there anyway. Series, the pitcher's up to bat. I'm sorry, the pitcher's already been hit pinch yeah. hit for. No, no, no. I'm, there's I'm, a I'm science not... behind. There's a science behind. No, he's having a complete game. He has oh, the God, here now we go. no hitter. David Price is throwing a no hitter in the World Series. So it's both pitchers seven. are throwing no hitters. No, he's out. No, that pitcher's out. So this is gonna be great. Right. I'm so, sorry. If, even if he's throwing a no hitter, that's what's fun about having the pitcher hit. That's it, it forces it forces on, on managers to manage. In my opinion, managers have enough things to worry about. Taking out a guy in the fourth, watching the national, watching the World Series this year was so annoying. When you got a guy pitching lights out in the fourth. Okay, now we're oh, talking he's about a whole back. different thing, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, We're talking about a whole different thing. We're talking about the analytics of baseball now. We're talking yeah. about shifts. We're talking about yeah. why is the pitcher going five innings and then the bullpen's coming in, yeah. and now you've got a tired bullpen. And yeah, Dodgers yeah. have shot themselves in the foot two years in a row. Oh, they, well, that's because Dave Roberts can't manage. He's a bad in-game manager. He's a nice guy. And he no, he's being told, hey, we need to do this. We need to yeah, do no, that. Yeah, no, it's an analytics like, this. Just like Aaron he's Boone. A, this isn't – this isn't – they're – I'm not trying to discredit their managing styles, but I'm saying because the Phillies are doing it too. A lot of teams are doing it. I you think, also have to have smarts too at the same time. You have to have a gut. There's a lot of teams out there that aren't allowing baseball to be baseball anymore. And that's sad. And that's that's the problem. It's not the DH. It's not the pitcher hitting. It's baseball being baseball. When a guy's cruising and he's pulled because of a situation, okay, I don't understand. Yeah. The pitcher's been cruising. Yep. That's the stuff that raises my eyebrows with today's game. Yeah, and no, that's so, the thing that frustrates as a fan perspective too. It's like it's six innings, you're down one nothing, and there's two outs, but you're going to pinch hit your pitcher because what? The top of the order's coming up. There's already two outs. There's nobody on. Like let your hitters hit. They need one run. If the other eight guys can't do it, what's the what? What are the odds that one guy off the bench is going to do it? 
Those are those odds. Who hasn't good. swung a bat all day? Yeah, I mean, who's he's swung a bat you know three hours early? Yeah, he's been yeah. Sitting on the bench now. It's we're in the middle of October. Yep, which you is know, probably cold with the, with the game on the line. Yep. I'm sorry that it is so tough to be a pinch hitter in the National League in playoff season, like during the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, you it's, have the, to have a... it's the toughest job to do. You take any normal fan. I'm I'm just saying this, but I'm sure everyone's pooping themselves. Oh God! If That's I go why up the there Kurt and Gibson story is a miracle, home. basically, like, yeah, exactly. That's the history of baseball. Like, that's what makes the National League so much fun. Is those instances of those stories about you know the pinch hit bottom of the ninth. You know, this is the end all tell all moment, and that happens. Like, I'm just like, it's amazing. I don't know. I just, I just think. I just think that baseball hasn't been allowed to be baseball recently, and they're trying to speed the game up. So if baseball's still going to be baseball, it's still going to go four hours long. Yeah, I have no problem with with uh, you know the time of the game. One thing that is interesting, and I think I'm a fan of it, and it directly affects you, a pitch clock. How do you feel about it? I know exactly how you feel about it. it. I it saw it in an interview. It, it, it's, it's, it's easier for me. I'm not sure if my game recorded, but – I don't think I had a in the game I pitch. I don't think I had a game last longer than three hours. Yeah, I don't think anybody should take that long. Even if there was no play clock, say there was no play clock snap count in football, I don't think you should be there two minutes calling audibles. Just like I don't think you should be walking around the mound or walking around the box for two minutes either. I, yeah, I, I well, think I mean, okay, so, I, mean I have a, I, I, I have a, uh, I've been told, and this is what I learned at Oregon, our, our uh, Ken Revisa, who's no longer with us, um, he. Uh, told us that it takes 13 seconds for a for a batter to move on to the next pitch. So if I'm releasing the ball or starting my motion within those 13 seconds or at 12 seconds or at 13 seconds, imagine the hitter trying to process that pitch. And I think that also plays the uh, factor into my my pitching abilities and my lack of whatever I lack. Um is the science behind how I like to pitch quick to play my stuff up. Um, because guys, you know, the big league guys, when I faced them would step out and like readjust, but that even that is messing with them. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You're just waiting for them. Right. Yeah. That's like the Chris sale approach is get in the box, throw the baseball, get it back, throw it again. And or... I, I like that approach. I know some guys like to take their time, like a David price, but I think that I think a limit is good because it's just ridiculous. Not even from a time standpoint. I don't care if the game lasts eight hours. It's just like I stayed up for that whole eighteen inning game during the World Series. I didn't care. It's just you know when it comes to just like tedious stuff, it annoys me. That's stuff that annoys me. What rule has affected you more, uh, the pitch clock or the mound visits? Neither. Neither. Which one do you, Which one do you think is going to affect the major leagues more? I'm assuming it's pitch clock. I think it's going to be the mound visits because you've ruined catchers like Gary Sanchez at this point that can't go up there and basically ruin the tempo of the game. That's true. I think, I think, yeah, I think mound visits will affect the game, but it'll speed it up. But I think it'll also affect the whole decision making. Um, you know, I, it's, I mean, you saw it this year. Why got so many guys, so many teams would replace guys because they didn't want to waste a mound visit. I yeah. think that comes into play too. So I think the mound visits have a lot more to um, have a lot more to affect with the game than than speeding the game up with a pitch pitch clock. But I think I think either way, I mean, it's going to take some too because a lot of the guys are veteraned in and don't have to uh, and don't have to deal with that pitch clock. Whereas me, I've been used to it all in the minor leagues, so it's not something new. No, I mean it makes perfect sense. I mean you're. You're growing in it, so you're not going to even notice anything when you get up there. So I was in um, Las Vegas uh, supporting uh, my lovely girlfriend, who will be listening to this when Hi, you lovely girlfriend. Hear it. Hello, Kristen. I love Hi, you. Kristen. Um, great, great. Anyway, uh, oh, we get all sappy. Um, of course, we have to. We have to. <laughs> so no, I was in uh, Vegas. She was covering. Um, she was. Um, doing reporting for the monster cup for supercross in vegas um so that was a lot of fun and so i had the chance to explore vegas by myself which i had never been to vegas past being 21 like i never went to vegas on my 21st birthday like just never experienced it so i went and walked around uh 
the Mandalay Bay, which is where um, we were staying at. And I walk up into these shops and what do you know? There's a giant mural of Pete Rose and it says Pete Rose in house today. Like come, come meet him, come get an autograph. I was like, what? (laughs) Like, there's no way. There's no way it's Pete Rose, but then I'm going, okay, maybe he, he's gambling, you know, he, you know, blah, 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 blah. He likes to gamble. You know, People forget yeah. That. You know, he's probably has a residency at the Mandalay, like <laughs> yeah. something, something, room. Yeah. He's got, he's got it all. He's got the whole East wing. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I walk in there and what do you know? He's watching foot, uh, college football on a laptop and no one's in this place. Are you serious? And- no one is in this place. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Pete Rose is sitting here watching college football. He's got his like half glasses on and no one's in there. I'm going, oh my God, this is like, so I'm walking in just acting like I don't know what's going on. And I clearly am just like all giddy inside. Like, what can I do? Like, how can I meet him? And uh, so I was like, I was looking at the photos. They were charging a hundred bucks a photo. That's ridiculous. Well, all money goes to him. Oh, and uh makes sense, Gambling money, exactly, right. and uh, that's how he keeps his residency up. And... <laughs> that's how he affords the rent of the East Wing. Yeah, he gambles. He, he gambles a hundred bucks. You know, he keeps his residency. I think that's how. I think that's how it's. I'm just waiting on like there. Pete's picks as like a Twitter page. It's like this, these it. are Pete Rose's picks for the day. If you want to hey, ride, we, hey, we got to cut that. We're gonna do that now. We're gonna we're gonna make a Twitter Pete's picks. Pete's picks. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> oh, live stream anyway, it on so... Twitch. So anyway, we so I walk over to him and I was like, you know, hey Pete, you know, just and the guy kind of stands up, like kind of protecting him, like, yeah. hey, you know, you need to get a picture. I was like, hey Pete, I'm a minor league pitcher in the Phillies organization. Just wanted to introduce myself and and uh, he goes, he goes, hey man, come, you know, come on over. And just, no one's in this place. I'm going, yeah, I'm gonna come over and meet him, talk to him. And so I was like, I gotta be honest, like my dad's a huge fan. You know, you might have. You know, I get an autograph somehow, some way, and I was like, I'm not really looking to pay a hundred bucks. I know it goes to, I know it goes to you. Like, I'm not dumb. Like, I, I'm used to this. I know how this works. And he goes, he goes, he goes. Now, just go pick up a photo. If anyone tells you anything, say I still told you to grab a photo. So I went and grabbed a photo and brought it back to him. And uh, he goes, so you're in the Phillies organization. He goes, what level were you at? I was like, I was at AAA all last season. He goes, yeah. How was your year? I said, I think it was pretty good. And he goes, what were your numbers? I was like, started telling him, and he's looking at me, jaw like kind of dropped. He goes. And you didn't get fucking called up. <laughs> the Phillies are so fucked up right now. Oh God! <laughs> I start dying. I start dying because this is Pete Rose. Yeah, and, this, I, and this those is the Hick- like, yeah, I'm yeah, not one to Hick- I'm not one to swear, but those are his exact words. It's Pete. It's Pete Rose, and and like it wouldn't if anyone were to meet him. Like everyone's like, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to say that, you know, and say it that way and it's just crazy to me because we started talking and we started talking about hitting you know i, I throw fastball change curve slider and i was like but i'm a, I'm a fastball change up guy i really like to throw my change up and he goes i'll be honest that is the toughest pitch you ask anyone in pro baseball major league baseball former current you know doesn't matter who you talk to that is the toughest pitch to hit in baseball if you got a good change up and he goes it sounds like you got your wits about you and i was like yeah so he gave me some some advice and uh, I'm going to keep that to myself. I'm just going to not spoil that because I don't want anyone else to use it. Yeah, it's yours. Um, but, like, it was amazing just sitting there. We talked for, like, 30, 45 minutes. And he signed a little photo for my dad. I brought it back to him. My dad was, like, super ecstatic. Like, you met Pete freaking Rose? Like, it was so – it was just so cool. And – uh it was just an awesome experience. And we talked, I mean, we talked about, you know, how the Phillies did in the end of the year. We talked about, you know, what their, what the expectations are, you know, uh, he was supposed to get inducted to the Phillies hall of fame this past off this past season. And he had a whole sex scandal that came up and, um, he goes, yeah, it was unfortunate. You know, that came up at the same timing, like nothing ended up happening. So I'm hoping in the next couple of years I get, you know, inducted because I really enjoyed playing in Philly. So, you know, he had a lot of good things to say about the, the city of Philadelphia and, um, you know, and told me a lot of cool, cool little stories. And um, it was just a lot of fun, you know, like Sounds I really like just blast. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it was a lot awesome. of fun. Uh, last thing, Cole. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you plug your new endeavors, your Twitch channel, you know, tell us what you're going on with gaming, the world game, how are you getting into it and, 
and things like that so we can we can help you out a little bit too uh yeah my uh twitch channel is uh swervin gaming um just like my last name irvin but just add the sw in front we'll of have it. links we'll have links in there for yeah. everybody yeah i'm just well. i'm just spelling it out for those listeners um but uh yeah no swerving gaming on twitch uh i've been playing some video games just talking to people if you guys want to get to know um you know just outside of the baseball field um i'm on there i'm playing some video games just getting to know fans getting to know people um, that are in the industry and stuff and um, I'm having a lot of fun I, I stream NHL I stream MLB the show um, and then I'm also streaming some Red Dead Redemption too um, I suck at Fortnite I try to do that sometimes but I try not to game hop I've noticed my viewers when I'm on MLB and like NHL are like really high and then when I go to any other game like it just plummets it's so funny yeah, it's all about building. It's all about building a fan base and just getting comfortable. And then you say, "Listen, like we got our sports games today, and then maybe a Fortnite shooting." But back to sports. Yeah, exactly. Like the other night, like I, I the online beta came out for uh, um, Red Dead Redemption, and which was so, wild. Which is amazing. It's very wild. You know, it's in the West, um, and people forget that. I, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. But I tried to get it online, and it was really long and really boring. And I went from like twenty viewers to like four, yeah. like in a matter of like five minutes after I left MLB the show. I was like, I should have just stayed on MLB. Like that would have helped me out so much. <laughs> It's all, it's all about just finding, finding but it's, it's nice to be on the smaller side because i do get to talk to fans i do get to talk to people um that come in and um it's a lot of fun and if you guys are interested in just getting to know me don't really care for video games that's a good way to come hang out and talk and just um talk baseball i, I we had the past two or three streams i've had we've been talking trades we've been talking um just baseball in general, and it's been a lot of fun for me. And if you're hockey fans too, um, I talk a lot of hockey. So, what's going on, guys? It's Austin. If you liked the episode, let us know. Let us know that you got this far by commenting "swimming with the fishes" underneath the tweet that we put out. If you do that, I'll put you in a drawing for an autographed Garrett Cooper baseball card. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, share us with your friends if you like us enough, and like strike three, we're out.